Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Universe. I'm Laura, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Evan, Janet, Joella. And today, because it's approaching winter, it's approaching final season, and motivation is at an all-time low, we're going to talk about some tips and tricks, as well as our personal takes on how to stay motivated in this time of year. So some of the big topics we want to share today um, or discuss are how to fight fatigue and to stay more energized, how to stay focused during your working sessions, and then finally, how to time manage. Um, So starting with the first topic, how to fight fatigue. I find a lot of the time... Um, personally, I like to take a break in my work to take a walk or exercise because um, I feel like movement gives me a lot of adrenaline and then I feel a lot more energized afterwards. Do you guys agree? Yeah. Um, is this talking about just like breaks from like doing work? Like how do you take breaks and what do you do during those breaks? Sure. Or in general, how do you stay energized in a day? Um, I think energized probably just like socializing with people and like interacting with people especially during a break because you can feel like like after a a long period of just sitting down and doing work you feel like really bogged down you know what I mean like kind of icky and it's like okay I need to get away from this and like find motivation and energy and a good way to do that is to like talk to your roommates give your sibling a call go out for a walk like you said something that's interacting with other people or having a really good conversation or something like that. I think that's a really good point because I suppose you could take sort of people's personalities into play here as well. If you're an introvert or an extrovert, I suppose if you're an extrovert, they do say that talking to people boosts your energy anyway. So it's like relighting that candle sort of. So you, it is good, at least I find that when I talk to people, it leaves me a lot more energized. And then... I suppose if we have an introvert in the room, (laughs) what helps when you take breaks? Why are you looking at me? (laughs) (laughs) I've said so many times I'm an introvert. I find talking to other people is good. It's limiting the um, interaction that is harder, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes you'll start talking and talking and then it never ends and it ends up being an hour and a half. (laughs) That's true. So so it has to be limited, (laughs) <laughs> and that's really hard to do, right? So, although it is energizing, um, it might come as um, a cost to your daily routine. That's true. That also ties into, do you guys like to study with background noise or do you like absolute silence? What end of the spectrum are you on? I think it depends. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Some days I'm like, I just need background. Like, I don't know, my mind's all over the place, but I still need to get something done. So it's like, okay. I need to play something in the background. Other days, it's it's like, okay, I know that I focus better when it's silent or when there's, like, no background music, but it's hard for me to be like, okay, I'm going to start studying in the quiet. I don't know why that is. It's interesting. It's only when it happens accidentally, like I'm just studying in a group of people and I forgot to play music, or I was playing music, but I paused the video, and now I'm suddenly I'm working in silence. Yeah. A lot of the times when I'm hyper-focused, it's in dead silence, but it's always very difficult to get to that point of focus when it's there's no background noise or my mind is, like, racing so much. Yeah, I don't know. So the neuroscience of learning would say that your brain can only do one thing and music and everything else is distracting, but 
as Joella said, it's difficult to get to that focus. And some people need uh, something that acts as a bridge. So using background music that is not going to engage your cognitive brain, but your, so your brain can still be on task doing something else, might not interfere with your concentration. But if you're playing songs that you want to sing along to, then your brain is cognitively engaged in that, and therefore you're not working anymore. That's true. When I'm, if I'm playing like music, if I'm playing something that has lyrics in it, I can't study at all because I just yeah. want to sing to the music. But if it's something like, like lo-fi, or like lo-fi. Ja- I love lo-fi, or like jazz or background rain or something like mm-hmm. that with no words, then it's easier to kind of put it away as like white noise or background noise. Yeah, exactly. Or even just sitting somewhere on campus with people and just the sounds of them flipping their pages, having conversations about their work helps a lot as well, I think. And it doesn't necessarily need to be, oh, like intentional music or something that you, you know, play in your earbuds and put in your headphones. I agree. I also feel like if you're studying near other people who are studying, you feel like you, feel like you have to work, right? Like, I've, I'm not big on studying in cafes because I find that it's quite distracting. And then oftentimes it's kind of dimmed for like the ambiance and it it feels really nice and kind of puts you in a creative mood so if i'm just writing emails or doing something that's passive it's nice um but i can't write like a practice physics midterm in a cafe but if i'm in a cafe i feel like everyone is judging me if i'm not studying so i'm just working my butt off the whole time do you guys feel that way that's true okay i go to i go to one of my friend's lectures and it's not related to what i'm studying at all and I'll just go to the lecture to do work because you're in a lecture hall and everyone's around you like focusing, doing work. And I'll just sit there and put my earbuds in and not listen to the prof and just do my own work. And I'll do work for an hour and a half. And I find you're right. When you're when I'm studying in a cafe, I feel the ambiance is just more creative. So if I'm writing like an essay or something that isn't science, then it makes sense to go to the cafe to a cafe to do that. But if it's science and I feel I have to find I have to find somewhere else to study. Mm-hmm. Do you kn- do you always study at the same place, Joella? I think I have a few places that I keep on rotation depending on what work I'm doing that day. So I suppose if it's something that requires a lot more like mental energy for me to like figure out, or if it's something I know that it's a concept I'm not very good at, or something that requires a lot a lot of practice, I'll go to one library where everyone seems so like focused and hardworking and it's very silent because I know that'll force me to do the work I need to do but if I'm sort of you know doing like some practice problems that I'm comfortable with or just like lightly studying for an exam I'll go to another place but where there are still people working but there's more background noise but I'd say it's pretty consistent between a few places. I know that the Pomodoro technique is something that a lot of people say to use and it is very useful but I tried using the Pomodoro technique and I find that I would get like it's like 25 minutes, five minutes or no, 20 minutes, five minutes, 20 minutes, five minutes. And then like a 20 minute break or something mm-hmm. like that. But I found that I would get really focused in the 20 minutes and then the timer would go off and it's like time to take a break. And I'm like, but I'm not ready to take a break yet. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll like study more and more and more. And then I'd get like tired and I'm like, OK, now I'll take the 20 minute break after working for like two hours. So instead I tried doing just like work until you feel like, okay, I'm starting to get a little bit foggy and then take a long break until you're like, okay, I think I should go back to work now. So you're not feeling bad for 
not taking a break or not working for a long time because you're taking a long break, but you're giving yourselves those times to do that. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, don't feel pressure to take a break when you're sort of in the groove, but also when you're taking those breaks, make sure it's a productive break so that it doesn't pull you away from the momentum that you've kind of built up studying. I don't know what science the Pomodoro technique is coming out of, but to me it makes no sense (laughs) because there's a lot of myth about the amount of time you can stay focused on a task. You can stay focused on an Xbox game for hours, Mm -hmm. right? And you just don't even realize you have to be or whatever. So so when you say you're in the zone or you're focused and your Pomodoro is ringing you up to take a break, that's not productive, uh, according to me. And it depends on the task that you're doing. So learning, rote memorizing things by heart takes a lot of an energy. But if you're writing an essay, for example, then you can be in your creative, like creative juices might be <laughs> coming up and then you just need to put them on paper. And then once that's done and you're still kind of running out of technique, and as you said, um, Janet, uh, you're kind of getting foggy a little bit, then perhaps it's because you just need to move and get some oxygen back into your brain and stretch or do something, and then you can get back into it, actually. And is timing really important in something like this? Like, for example, as soon as you notice you're feeling foggy, instead of trying to push through it, you should go do the Absolutely. thing I remember <laughs> seeing... Now, I don't know I don't know where I found it. It could be completely wrong. So I found it somewhere on the internet. Don't quote me on this, but there was this one graph that I saw once where it kind of shows like your level of productivity and like your energy and then it's like as and then it kind of compared like what you do or how your your productivity flows based off of how you treat yourself once you get a bit tired and you see your energy's running low. So it was like, "Oh, once you're getting a bit foggy, if you do thing a like go for a walk and get some energy then your productivity over time will like be higher than if you just yeah need oxygen for your brain so yeah that's true i find if i'm working on something where it's like okay it's i have to hand it in tomorrow but i'm like okay it's already 10 o'clock or something and i feel like awful or like icky is the only way i can describe it if i'm working on it at night and i'm like just trying to get through it and it's taking me like two hours to do this these three questions or whatever and if I look at them in the morning and I reread them and I'm like looking at these answers like what was I thinking (laughs) like what what was I on like these are why did why was I not thinking these are basic questions and I think that rings true for your graph if you don't reset then you kind of really forget basic things it's like you're stuck in the mud yeah I mean at that point just put your best pop song and dance to it for like a couple of minutes and then get back to it. (laughs) Dancing is rejuvenating, but I'm so bad at dancing. (laughs) (laughs) These are all good points. So yeah, I think some takeaways don't necessarily follow a norm for how you study, how long you study, how long you focus or whatever it is. But whether you're taking breaks or studying, try to focus on the task at hand. Oh yeah, I was also going to mention on the topic of different types of learning, studying, working, things like that. Certain things take different amounts of energy or focus. Um, So some people say you can try to do the higher energy, higher focus things earlier in the day. And then, for example, write your emails at the end of the day. This is what we were told 
we have like professional development sessions and all of these things on how to be more productive in our day and all of these things. And one of the person who was doing a session on emails was saying, answer emails at the end of the day, never at the beginning of the day, because it will take way longer than you think. And by the end of the day, you know that you want to finish. So you just go through them more quickly than you would in the morning. So you still do the job, but it takes less less long. This is a side note, but if you guys have like an appointment or somewhere you need to be where you need to get ready and leave the house, if it's if you need to leave the house at like one o'clock at 12, do you get like this weird nervousness where you're like you can't do you can't start anything at 12? But you like you're like constantly thinking about the time. Do you get that? This yes. is exactly me. Oh my god! <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's so strange. Even though you still have like thirty or forty-five minutes to do something, I still stress during those thirty or forty-five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it comes from always underestimating how much time I need to prepare for something. So now I kind of do the reverse, where I I feel like oh I need to start getting ready. 40 minutes in advance so because I'm probably going to be so slow I'm probably lost a hair tie or something and then yeah all these things and now if it takes 20 minutes to walk there and have to be there by one then you just kind of start freaking out the time blocking that planning that's so real there's this thing called the planning fallacy where um, oftentimes we set aside less time than we actually need to complete a task so we fall into what's called optimism bias where you think like okay look, this assignment is only 10 questions. I can do this in an hour. And then you end up working until 4 a.m. and you're still on question seven. And it, does, it doesn't make any sense. But then the opposite of that, or maybe not opposite, but um, something sort of on the other perspective called Parkinson's Law says that work will expand to fill the time that you give it. So if you give yourself too much time, you'll still end up filling all that time. Like we can write an essay in a day, um, but... I don't know, fellow students here, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the times we start that essay due at 11.59 at, like, 10 p.m. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it gets done. <laughs> it doesn't always get done because... Oh, not always, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Because I have a lot of students saying, oh, I didn't get this in time or whatever, so... It doesn't always work. Yeah, I guess not. Not always true. <laughs> Another thing about tasking is to-do lists are a big thing and I used to do like time blocking where it's like okay this thing you'll do for an hour and a half and okay basically what I would do is I would list not just the things I wanted to get like done in a day but everything I could think of that I had to do and I'm like okay I'm gonna get them done all today and like I'll do this in an hour and a half and this in two hours and have lunch for 30 minutes and blah 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 and then when I had obviously not set myself enough time and then I go over time for a task and it ruins the rest of the, the planned day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not productive enough. What am I doing? I'm taking so much time doing something that's so simple. And then that really tanks your motivation to do anything. Exactly. After that. You always feel like you're on a constant backlog. I'm catching up, I'm catching up. And I just feel like I'm so slow and unproductive. Yeah, that's what if you planned? So let's say you have your 10 question assignment and then you have to give it uh, at day 10 because you have, I don't know, a bit more than a week to do it. What if you start doing it on day two 
and then realize you give yourself half an hour to do it and then you realize actually I'm going to need at least three hours to do that. So instead of doing this half an hour on the day 10 at the very last minute when you realize, oh, I would have needed five hours to do this, Mm -hmm. then you can replan your schedule according to that fallacy that you were talking about. So you don't end up realizing you need way more time to do something at the very last minute. That's a good point. Instead of, um, I've tried to start doing this more recently, but I would make my to-do list and I would separate into like school, extracurriculars, miscellaneous, and have like, I don't know, this one assignment that I need to do. And then I would add a maybe section. It's like, okay, if you've done that and if you have enough time, maybe you can get started on this practice problem set that's due in like three weeks or something like that. And not adding time blocks also helps. So it's like whenever you have time in the day to do it, then you can do it. Joella, would you say that when you write your to-do list, they're timed or they're not timed? They're not timed. I mostly just write like an exhaustive list of all the things I need to do and the steps it requires for all of the things. And then whenever I find, I guess whenever I find time to do anything, I'll work on what I can. And if I, yeah, it's not really time blocking, but it's more so just using what I know of my own capabilities to decide like on the spot oh I should get started on this because it'll take more time than this other smaller task that I can do on the weekend. Well, do you prioritize according to importance or according to schedule of due dates? I think it's pretty layered because it's kind of both because sometimes sometimes you'll have big important like too big import I don't know what I'm trying to say but it it really depends I actually never I've never cons- thought about how I do it because I do a to-do list. I don't actually time everything that I need to do because I never respect the time anyway. <laughs> uh, but I make sure that I do what must be done ahead of time. So I give myself plenty of time. I hate doing things last minute. My to-do list is organized according to priorities. And it's really difficult to follow it sometimes because I might have things I need to do that I don't want to do which I would tend to want to put at the end of the to-do list. And there's some things I really want to do. I don't have to do them now. And I just have to pace myself and say, no, I have to do all of this stuff before. So it's discipline. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think even for me, I wouldn't say it's a matter of importance versus what like time limits. It's more so the priorities that I set for myself. Like if I know there's something that's really hard for me personally, I'll focus on that first. And even if I have something due very soon, if I know that I'm capable of finishing in the remaining time, I'll just leave it off for a bit. Yeah. That's another thing, is like learning to weigh what is important and what isn't as important. Like last year, I thought that like everything was like uber important, like 110% effort. Um, You have to respect this essay that's worth 50% of your mark the same way you would a pre or post lecture quiz. Like, I remember this one time I had forgotten about this, like, post-lecture physics quiz or whatever, and I was freaking out about it, and I was like, okay, I just have to accept that it's fine, that I'll lose this, like, 5% of my mark or whatever, and then I'm looking back at that now, and I'm like, it's not that deep. Like, yes, you missed, like, a portion of your mark, but it's not that important to be worrying that much about. Mm-hmm. It's, like, proportionally how much time are you putting in versus how much is it actually worth and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. 
pacing yourself and knowing what's your priority. One other thing on prioritizing, um, I was gonna say in first year, I was so bad at studying for exams because I had this weird stubborn mindset that I had to do everything in order. I had to review the content material first and then do the practice problems and the homework and then I'd get to the practice finals or the practice midterms. And this was possibly the dumbest thing I've ever done but also like a very valid mistake to make when you're first starting to study. Um, And I think my analogy for this is a bit similar to the Parkinson's law. Um, It's that if I give you an hour to draw a face, you can make a really, really pretty portrait with lots of detail. But if I give you only one minute to draw that face, you should equally be able to draw the face, just not to the same level of detail. So don't take that one minute starting on a super pretty eyeball and then missing the rest of the face. Like what was the rest of the picture supposed to be? So for example, to apply this to Um, Let's say you're studying for a final exam um, that has practice problems and practice midterms and then content that you need to review. If you feel like you don't have enough time to go through everything, because again, back to the planning fallacy, you won't be operating at 100% efficiency the whole time. If you've passed the time you've set yourself for a certain task, sometimes it's better just to like scan the solutions, you know, move on. um, And you can come back when there's more time, but maybe jump to the problem sets, which are, of a higher relevance to your studying. Or if you don't have time for that, maybe jump to the practice midterms because those might be more similar to what you see on the actual test day. I don't know if you guys relate, but I feel like this has worked a lot better for me this year. Oh yeah, definitely. Because even if you just start with a practice midterm, if you get stuck at one point, you'll eventually go back and relearn that material that you would have studied passively in the first place if you had started by just looking over the notes and rewriting them, which also isn't a very good strategy in the first place, I don't think. That's a good point. Um, I find, I I would do the same thing, is um, I would go over, but this was for assignments where it's like you only have like one chance to get it right. So I would be like, okay, okay, I'm gonna look through everything. But I found that when I was doing the practice problems, I would look through the material anyway because it's like, oh, what, what is this talking about? Okay, look through the lecture notes, look through the lecture notes, and you're learning that way anyway. That's true. Um, that's something that I need to start doing that I know works is right after your lecture, either doing like a brain dump or going over what you learned, because I find that right after my lecture, I close my book or iPad or whatever, and I go do whatever... I like go eat or something and completely forget about what was happening in the lecture. Um, But I've been even doing something like that, like just brain dumping or reading the learning objectives. That's something I never used to do in like high school or like the first little bit of first year. I was like, learning objectives, that's useless. Like, what do I use this for? But they're so good for testing. Like, do I know how to do X, Y, Z? So, and it's really helpful when a prof gives you the learning objectives, not you have to come up with them yourselves. Oh, so many good tips and strategies for studying. I need to write these down. I know, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To all of the students listening out there, hopefully you're doing well. Hopefully some of this helps you out. But obviously also don't feel pressure to start new study strategies or habits or whatever it is when you're like peak stress. That's the other thing to be aware of. There's a not really a right or wrong point of time to try these things but there are better times to try new things. So see what works best for you. Good luck studying. And 
be proud of the work that you put in. Don't tie yourself and your self-worth to your results, but to what you do. We believe in you. We believe in you. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> if you like this podcast and if you're interested in listening to similar discussions in the future, make sure you follow us or subscribe to us on your regular podcast listening platforms. And hopefully we will meet again soon.